And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power. And you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. So tonight we are going to present a four-part series on weight loss. We're going to talk about the mental the physical and the metaphysical factors that will help you maintain a healthy weight. And you know we're just not going to interview one or two people. We have a whole range of experts, including the personal trainer of baseball's phenom, Mike Trout. So this is real exciting. I'm really pumped up about this program. And I don't know about you, but I struggle to maintain a healthy weight. I am 6'1". I'm a little over 250 pounds. I know you're probably thinking, oh my God, this guy probably has a huge ass. He's got four chins and he never leaves the couch. Well, you are correct about me having a huge ass. I mean, it is big. It's got its own zip code. When I walk down the street, I'm knocking cars and people over and kids just cry at me going, ah, you know, that's, you got me on that. As far as my chins go, I'm between, I'd say one, one and a half chins in a given period of time. Not four, though. Four, one time, but now I'm down to one and a half chins. As far as the couch potato stuff going, no, I love walking, running around. As a matter of fact, I became really passionate about going to the gym the last couple of years, and that's something I never experienced before. And I noticed that my skin complexion improved. I had a lot more energy. I was thinking a lot more clearly. So it was awesome, and I, and I love going to the gym. My downfall is that I also love to eat at 3 o'clock in the morning. I go to the fridge at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm eating vegan cheese, and that apparently counterbalances all the hard sweat and tears that I had at the gym. So I am in exercise, limbo, purgatory, whatever you want to call it. So I'm going to listen to the show myself and see if I can get some tips. And maybe there's something that's blocking you. So whatever it is, I hope you, you find your way and – Get on that path. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Hunter Hobbs. This is an individual who lost a considerable amount of weight. I watched this video of him on YouTube where you see him standing and posing. And over the course of three months, he loses a dramatic amount of weight. He went from 202 to 160. And I can tell you something. I would kill to be at 202. But he did it an incredible way. So, Mr. Hobbs, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So you're one of the few people out there that got the abs. Wow, congratulations. I, I, was that an incredible amount of work to do? Can you actually get abs oh. without having to go through extreme pain? Um, no. If you start at 202, maybe if you're, if you're naturally skinny and you already kind of have abs. But no, that was, that was literally probably the hardest thing I've ever done, maybe, and will go through. Because that was, that was brutal three months Okay. So, so it just for the abs, is that something where you have to do what a thousand crunches a day? I mean, what is the hardest part about it? No, and honestly, uh, I think the biggest surprise to me was it was mostly diet. 
Um, I didn't have to do a thousand crunches, you know, I did do a lot of ab, you know, work, but mostly it was just staying consistent to that diet and making sure I was eating in a calorie deficit, uh, and, you know, eating a lot less than I was, you know, taking in every day, basically. So would you take away that from your dramatic weight loss transformation? It is about calorie deficit. Are there certain times of days you should be eating? Is there something that, what, what worked for you? Well, so I, I wish I could say I was eating all these, you know, extravagant, healthy meals. But honestly, it was just I ate a ton of chicken, a ton of rice, you know, a ton of eggs, oatmeal, um, broccoli, you know, veggies, that kind of stuff. And I worked in an office, so I would basically just cook a bunch of chicken for the week. I take a giant thing of Tupperware into my office, and I'm one of the few people that brings my lunch every single day. Most people go out to, you know, Mexican restaurants every single day at lunch, and I'd be that guy at my desk just eating my chicken and rice. So it wasn't very glamorous. Well, I mean, it it worked for you. I think a lot of the food that's out there, I mean, especially if you go to an airport, if you even if you're doing a road trip, I mean, all the rest stops that are there, all they're selling is like fatty food, Mm -hmm. fast food. So we wonder why we have this obesity epidemic. But you have a realistic workout and diet plan for busy people. So can you please explain that? How do you manage to lose weight, get in shape, while at the same time if somebody is you know, working 60, 80 hours a week? How, do they, how would they do something like that? Right. Well, it's, it's all about just time management and planning because I'm, I'm a busy guy just like you know everybody else who's normal and has a job, a full-time job. And so I would basically – um, yeah, I just have to cook my meals in advance. Normally I would cook a bunch of chicken, um, and rice kind of, I don't know, two to three times a week. And I would, um, you know, depending on how much money you want to spend, I would buy those, uh, it's like uncle Ben's ready made rice and you just stick them in the microwave for 90 minutes. And that was two cups of rice that I would eat over the course of the day. And it's basically just, I would either work out before my work or I'd go directly from my office to the gym. Um, you know, five, five times a week. And then I would do some cardio or go jogging or however I could kind of manage my schedule on the weekends as well. I was just, the biggest thing about this was consistency, which was not easy to do, but I knew if I just kind of committed, especially for three months. And if I was documenting it, uh, I knew if I stuck to it and, you know, didn't slack off or didn't get lazy, I could make a dramatic transformation. So. Awesome. And when it comes to consuming food, were you picking foods that had a lot of high nutritional value or were you eating food that you felt would fill you up and take away your desire to eat more food? Was it, were you kind of eating food that would be a filler so you would be less hungry so you would have that calorie deficit on a daily basis? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it was obviously if you're initially, if you're going from eating a ton of food, you know, fast food and all that stuff, it's going to take a little bit of time to, you know, for your body to get adjusted to kind of being hungry. But uh, once I got used to it, and yes, I mean, chicken does fill you up. Like I said, I would eat a lot of oatmeal in the morning, chicken, rice, broccoli, um, a lot of fruit. So, I mean, it was stuff that filled me up and like, you know, it took maybe the first couple of weeks and then I would get, you know, my body was used to it. So by the end of it, it honestly, I was in the routine and the habit and it wasn't a big deal. So. And, when you were on your path to getting in shape and losing a lot of weight, what would you say would be maybe two or three mistakes or misconceptions that you had at the beginning that you realize now 
were not true? Uh, let's see. Well, I thought uh, my life was going to be horrible for the next three months, <laughs> you know, because all of my friends were, yeah, you know, at work, they were going out to eat every day or they were going to the bars every week. And I also didn't drink any alcohol for three months. Um, wow. Not even, not even vodka sodas or anything like that at the bar. So I think probably the three biggest misconceptions I thought was going to be, it was just going to be awful, which it wasn't fun, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. Once, like I said, once I got into the habits of doing things, and I got used to it and I saw that my body was changing and it was totally worth, you know, eating a pizza, you know, three times a week, you know, having abs or being in shape and feeling better about myself was so much, it was so worth it, you know, for missing out on some of the little things like, you know, pizza or going to the bars and drinking a 12 pack or whatever. Um, I'd say that was probably one of my biggest misconceptions with that. Right. And how does your body function now compared to what it did, and what can people take away from it? So if somebody's going to say, okay, look, I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'm going to go through the, the pain. I'm really going to take on the initiative to do this. What can they expect as far as rewards that go that come with a healthy and fit body? Man, well, I, it, it, just, it just changed my whole kind of lifestyle. Uh, like I said, I'm in the habit now. Of, I, I eat my lunch every single day at work, and it's no big deal. I just watch Netflix instead of going out. Um, I remember at 202, I was every morning I would get ready for work and 202 is kind of for my frame. I'm 5'10". So it's a little, it's a lot more than I was used to. And so I remember trying to put on my socks every day, uh, you know, my dress shoes and I'd be kind of out of breath <laughs> and it was just hard kind of bending over. And I mean, just being in shape now, it's just, it's just changed like every aspect. Cause you know, now I can go out and I can go jog two miles and not be on the floor passed out, you know, five minutes later or whatever. And I just feel so much better about myself with habits, with, you know, just, yeah, basically every aspect is, is what I, is what I've noticed most. So. Mr. Hunter Hobbs, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom. We can learn more about Mr. Hobbs by going to his website at Instagram.com forward slash Hunter Hobbs, H-O-B-B-Z-Z-Z, triple Z. And also, you have to look up this gentleman on YouTube and you see the time-lapse video. You see exactly what happens when you burn off the fat and you get the abs. If only all of us could have the abs, man. We're all going for it. Mr. Hobbs, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you so much for having me. We have another weight loss success story. And joining us now is Pat Barone, professional coach, soul awareness healer. You can learn more about her by going to her website at patbarone.com. Ms. Barone, how much weight were you able to lose? I lost um, 92 pounds and only recently another 10 pounds. Wow. So it's over 100 now. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And the most important thing about my weight loss is that it's permanent. Okay. So and what that means is the medical community is that it's weight loss that's sustained more than five years. The 92 pounds that I spoke of has been sustained for 17 years. Wow, that's incredible. So how has your lifestyle improved? What was your lifestyle prior to losing weight? And how much better has your life gotten since you've lost the weight? Well, I think... Uh, safe to say that I was a food addict. Okay. Um, you know, my insecurities and uh, my difficulties in, on the physical plane here uh, on earth were overwhelming to me. And food was the only medication that I, I felt I could turn to. I was just not into drugs. 
and um, I needed some sort of medication in order to exist. The turning point for me was when I changed the question that I had been saying to myself. I had, for many years, been saying to myself, I am depressed because I'm fat. I've got to fix that. And one day, by miracle, I turned that around and I said, wait, what if depression comes first? Because I had taken antidepressants that should have been taken care of. What if I am fat, uh, have a lot of excess weight, because I'm depressed? I need to figure out depressed. Why am I suffering here? And so that changed my entire life, that question. And I began to unravel, you know, myself, to get to know my psychology, uh, to change my habits, to change my viewpoint on uh, life, uh, to open up to some self-love. I mean, the journey just kept unfolding for me after that. So did you think that your excessive amount of weight that you are carrying was a direct result of emotional baggage or unprocessed emotions? Yes, definitely. And, of course, our, our culture just emphasizes fix the fat, you know. Uh, and that is, that is just not it's, – it's the backwards way to, to look at it, I think. Okay, so there may be a lot of people in our culture that are very overweight, and I don't know if they're all of them are necessarily um, carrying around unprocessed emotions or carrying around fear. I'm just wondering if you think that there could be some type of energy or negative energy frequency in, in the food that we're all eating. There's a fear-based frequency in it. Mm-hmm. I think most of them, I've obviously worked uh, with many of them as clients. Most of my clients have uh, excess weight problems. Um, I think that they have energy. Uh, sometimes very old from past lives that they have not recti- rectified. Okay. We're here to heal. This, you know, this particular time on Earth is a time to heal, and most of uh, us, most of the population, is not healing. They're not focused on that at all. And um, so, uh, healing to me means um, dealing with those energies that are embedded in our energy field and actually releasing them. And Ms. Barone, what would you say would be some of the activities that you engaged in that were most effective that were allowing you or helped you to lose 90 pounds? Well, I was, uh, you know, I was obviously overeating. I was binge eating. Okay. Uh, I was burying a lot of feelings in food. Um, I was, anytime I couldn't cope, I, you know, I turned to food. Um, I also was um, exercising, oddly enough, aerobically. All I'm saying is aerobic classes in those days. And... Um, so the two of the things that I switched around were I walked across the hallway to the weight room and started to build some muscle, which actually builds metabolism. Okay. And um, one of the other things I did was I started to change my food habits, and I started doing it very slowly. One habit at a time, I would notice what was causing me some grief or seemed to be causing me to have a lot of extra calories, and I would change that habit before I moved on to another one. So it was very mindful and conscious the way that I worked. Okay, so after building the muscle and changing your dietary habits, you saw the weight come off permanently, correct? Right, right. Yeah, because I wasn't doing some extreme diet or fast or, you know, restricting calories in a a heavy-duty way. My body was adjusting. Ms. Barone, I was wondering if you can please sell us on the benefits of having a healthier weight or having your weight under control. From the time that uh, you gained weight to the time you lost the weight, 
How did your thought process change? Were you thinking clearer? Were you more physically active? What are some of the main selling points, you think, of having a reduced weight or having a healthier body complexion? Right, and I think if you do address all of the levels, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, you will have a completely different life. Uh, just losing weight isn't going to change the quality of your life that much. You might be um, lighter, thinner. You might be able to move more quickly. You might have more energy and vitality. But by working and making changes on all of the levels, I often say my life is a miracle. I used to see everything in dark tones. I told you I was depressed. Um, I, I never did anything to particularly change depression except find myself. You know, I, I went in and I found myself. I changed my attitudes that were um, negative, that were depressing, that were holding me back. I just, um, you know, systematically went through them, as, like I said before, in a very conscious way, began to think in a different way. When you think in a different way, you will feel in a different way. When you feel in a different way, you will be. You will be in your spirit. And... Um, so, yeah, my outlook is completely different. People meet me and they say they don't recognize me. That's incredible. They don't recognize my attitude at all, yeah. Miss Pat Barone, professional coach, energy awareness healer. She lost 90 pounds and she was able to keep it off. Great success story. Miss Barone, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I really appreciate being able to talk to you today. And another weight loss success story. Joining us now is Mr. Scott Schmerin. He has lost and kept off more than 180 pounds over 12 years using hypnosis. Mr. Schmerin, welcome to the program. Can you please tell us how you accomplished your incredible feat? Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's funny because I don't look at it as an, as an incredible feat. Um, I have a different approach to looking at things. I spent most of my life being morbidly obese, even as a kid, and spending the, my life on the yo-yo cycle of losing weight and gaining it back, usually more than what I started. And what I realized is that diet and exercise, while they are really important tools, they are not the key to losing weight. If you've been overweight for a very long time, that image in your subconscious mind is that you're supposed to be heavy. And then it starts to rationalize while being heavy is the right thing for you to do. So what happens? You try to lose weight, and your mind says, wait a minute, what are you doing? And then it finds a way to convince you or slow, slowly sabotage your success and bring you back to where you were. So how did I really change? Is I changed that image I had in my mind, and I burned into my mind that I had a strong, healthy, lean, attractive, youthful, youthful body weighing 175 pounds or less. And fast forward, after burning that into my mind long enough, at some point my subconscious mind accepted that as the truth. And, you know, for over 12 years now, my weight doesn't really fluctuate between 171 and 174. That's pretty much my range. I don't think about it. I am who I envision to be. So what you're saying is that you say this affirmation every day and that this eventually becomes part of your consciousness and you eventually start losing weight? It, you know what? We make change in the subconscious mind two ways. One is through repetition over and over and over again. And that's how we get most of our habits, whether they're good or bad, through repetition from the environment we grew up in or the experiences we've had consistently through our lives. At some point, your mind accepts it as the truth. Or we can make change rapidly in a highly emotional state. So, you know, using hypnosis allows you to access that emotional state and change quickly. 
I also used repetition over and over again. And an affirmation, I read, I wrote it out every day. And it's really important to write things out in your own handwriting. We know from neuroscience that when we write things in our own handwriting, we believe them to be true, even though they might not be true. So it's really important to write those things out. And you want to write them out richly in a lot of detail. Like you're writing out a great novel. You're writing out the story of your life. And I always tell people the stories you write now become your future realities. I said the other night I'm watching TV, and I mean there has to be at least 50 or 60 commercials on for fast food and unhealthy food, saying oh, you got to eat more and consume more. And I'm wondering if there's some kind of subliminal messages in there that are basically destroying a typical person's message of of our affirmation of saying eat healthy, eat healthy. I mean, are these camp commercials you think are specifically designed to kind of uh, break us down, destroy us, and put us in a mentality of just consuming more food than we should be eating? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, advertisers know how to, you know, induce and access your subconscious part of your mind in associating things with other things. That's not just TV commercials, it's TV, period. Um, we know that um, in, in neuroscientists have taught us that within a minute or two of watching TV, we're already drifting off into a hypnotic trance state. So are we primed to have suggestions given to us? And then if we're done repetitively over and over, can they affect us? Yeah, they can. Um, the greatest defense you have against that is becoming aware that that's actually happening. You know, becoming awake and aware of your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions gives you the ability to control those things. Because when you act on them on autopilot is when you get in a lot of trouble. And what is the comparable difference to being hypnotized to train your subconscious mind to, let's say, eat vegetables all the time or eat healthy as compared to being in a waking state of consciousness and having an affirmation of being healthy. Is there any comparable difference and is hypnosis actually more effective? Well, the hypnotic state is probably the most powerful state you have to make change. Now, when I work with somebody to lose weight, do we really work on programming somebody's mind to eat vegetables? To No, very little. What we work on is really in four steps. We they call them the four R's. We work first on teaching them how to relax and access the relaxed state of mind, which allows them to access all the creativity, their imagination, all the things that are great about them to improve themselves. The second R is release. You gotta get them to let go of the old things, the junk, the garbage, the crap, the baggage they've been carrying around from the environment they grew up in, they've accumulated since the day they were born until today, whether they're bad experiences or just the experiences of their environment. Because those act as filters preventing you from change or forcing you to go back to where you were or moving backwards after making change. Then you work on the third R, which is reprogramming, which is putting in new pictures of how you want to be. If I put a new picture in my head that I want to be a strong, healthy, lean, attractive, weighing 175 pounds, and I get my subconscious mind to accept it, my subconscious mind is going to begin to change my habits to make me look and actually physically be that way if it believes that I'm that way. And then the last one is to re is R, the last R is to reinforce. You need to reinforce those changes so you don't slide back. It's like working out. You can't go to the gym one time, work out, have the perfect body, and keep it. You got to do something on a regular, consistent basis. So you got to constantly reinforce those changes. Mr. Scott Schmerd, very fascinating interview. And thank you so much for being on this day. We can learn more about Mr. Schmerd by going to his website at Scott S C Scott and S C H M A R E N dot com. Schmerd, thank you so much for being on this today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Joining us now is David Roden. Once upon a time, he thought nothing of eating an entire Costco-sized bag of peanut butter cups. 
And at one point, he was over 408 pounds, but then he decided to take control of his weight, and he went from 408 to 240 pounds. Mr. Roden, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for reaching out. Thank you. So you have an amazing story, because at one point, you were eating 10,000 calories a day, which is what? That's 10,000 calories. It's amazing. I, I, I don't know how you were able to do that. So you please explain you know, where you were at your peak as far as your weight was, and what did you do that was very consistent or helped you lose weight? For sure, yeah. So about my past and how it all came to be, um, it's it's very interesting because uh, as a kid, a lot of times you do get into that whole realm of what's your fault versus what's your responsibility. Um, and so when I was younger, the biggest thing for me in my past of growing up, I grew up in a family household of just great support. However, not always the most accountable is a good way to put it. Um, my dad's actually a cardiologist, um, wow. which was, which is, which is a very interesting perspective. He was a heart, he's a heart doctor. Um, but the issue there was he was working a good 80 hours a week plus. Um, and then I had my mom who was a full-time mom at home. However, she was dealing heavy with my brother at the time who, um, had a lot of anger issues and emotional issues. And so being the younger child, all this kind of stuff and everything else was going on. I was kind of just like, Hey, David's good. He can do what he wants. And I was just always said yes to. Um, and so basically from what do most kids want at a young age is food, food and toys. And so, um, my upbringing, I was just always told yes. And so if I wanted a large Jets pizza with two, with two cups of ranch, I got it. If I wanted, um, McDonald's, I got it. If I wanted a Costco sized bag of Reese's every day, I got it. Um, and I did my due diligence at hiding it. Um, but really it came down to, uh, my mom had a lot of struggle with dealing with my brother and, and working on the, all those stresses there, um, that I was kind of just like, all right, David can handle himself. And so I was kind of just, uh, given, given the Kings, the kingdom. And when that, when that happens, uh, food became a infatuation and I just, I loved food and it, it, it filled that, um, that void for, for a long time. And so I was, I was. I was eating a Costco-sized bag of Reese's because I enjoyed them. But I, I love Reese's. I can see why. I mean, how could you not want to eat those? And then even when oh, I went they're vegan, delicious. yeah. And then I, and then I went vegan, and then I found vegan Reese's cups, and they tasted just as good. I was like, man, but they're so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. percent. There's just something about the mix of chocolate and peanut butter. I mean, I still eat peanut butter to this day because I just I enjoy it dearly. Um, but yeah, it was just it was that mixed with. Uh, playing a lot of video games and and getting caught up in the routine. Um, on top of the fact, and this is this is actually what I did a Facebook Live on today about is the stories you tell yourself. When you when you start getting into your struggles, um, you start trying to find that scapegoat. You try to find something that you can deflect blame towards um, to help yourself in the moment. And so as I was really tracking on the pounds, I mean I was probably 250 plus by the time I was. 13, 14 years old. Um, and by the time I was 18, I was over 400. Um, and so the big thing there was from about 15 to 18, um, I had a cyst slash tumor on my pituitary gland, um, where I had to get, um, MRIs done every about six months to see what was going on. And it never got bigger. So I didn't need surgery or anything. And actually it went away. Um, but I used that story on my infatuation of food and my love for food. And I used that story 
um, to say, well, it's just how I am. And this, this story of, I just, I just love food and, and I'm fat because I, I, I have this cyst and, and it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the blame game and deflect responsibility to some other thing than yourself. Um, and really one of the first foundational changes for me, um, was that accountability and my accountability changed my junior year of college. I fluctuated up and down my freshman, sophomore, and, uh, my beginning of my junior year of college, gain 30, lose 30, gain 30, lose 30. Um, and then my junior year of college hit and had a huge shift in my friend group. Um, and they got really into personal development and reading books and taking hundred percent accountability and goal setting. Um, and just through the inspiration of being surrounded by a new group of friends that got me into reading books like the compound effect by Darren Hardy, um, which like really gives you perspective I'm like, all right, what, what is weight loss? All right. This idea of losing 200 pounds sounds so overly complex and, and too big to handle. But if you break it down to, all right, well, if you need to lose 200 pounds, if you lose two pounds a week in a hundred weeks, you've lost 200 pounds. Oh, I, I can do that. And that's how that, that change really happened for me was, all right, I stopped thinking about losing 200 pounds and I just focused on all right, I'm going to lose two pounds this week. Perfect. I lost two. Next week, two. Following week, two. And then when I lost about 50 pounds is when I had that drastic shift of like, all right, I'm going to completely transform my body, completely transform my mind. Um, and then I had a huge push, and now I've lost 170. Now. That's, that's awesome. So you're thinking, so you're saying by doing it weekly, on a weekly basis, it's, uh, it was better for you. Exactly. Just that, that chunking, making, making the what sounds so difficult so simple. So it's like, all right, well, uh, losing 200 pounds sounds so over the top, but I could lose two pounds. I can do that. Can, and then just focusing on the simplicity is so so key that helped me. When it comes to weight loss, just, my wife always says it's amazing, but my weight will fluctuate between like sometimes five and seven pounds, even in the course of a two day period. It's kind of very strange. I don't. It is wild. Is that is that is that unusual? I don't know. No, I, that's it, that's pretty normal. Is it really? okay? Yeah, because I mean, I don't. There's no soda. I drink seltzer all the time. I was telling you about this a couple of days ago that my my big fault is eating and. Eating at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, I have to eat before mm-hmm. go to bed. <laughs> that's and that's the thing. The worst thing, right? That's. I mean, it's it's up in the air. So the biggest thing is, um, it okay. So like, you got a couple different factors. One, when it comes to like body cha- like weight change, a lot of that is just water weight. Um, that's where people get the confusion on. That's like that's why so so many people have a love for keto, because what happens is when you do keto and you go really low carb. When, you, when all those carbs get flushed out and burned out, your body releases all that water weight a, attached to all those carbs. And so you drop eight pounds in a week, 10 pounds in a week. And you're just like, oh, my God, look how incredible I'm doing. But most of that was water weight. And then as soon as you have a cheat meal with all the carbs in it, boom, you gain five pounds in a meal. You didn't really gain five pounds in a meal. It was just all the water weight. Um, and that's why so many people get worried about the fluctuations. That's where I'm always a huge firm believer on, all right, First and foremost, you got you to gotta weigh yourself the same time every single day. Whatever that time, whatever it's middle of the day, beginning of the day, end of the day, consistency there will deem, because like, yeah, we fluctuate so much throughout the day, whether whatever we're eating and salt and all this kind of stuff, change it. Um, that's when you look, when you create a pattern of doing it at the same time, you start seeing trends. 
Like I always focus on the trends. Like if I showed you, I check, I scale myself every day. If I were to show you my, my report, I mean, it, it's, it fluctuates by four to five pounds a day, but you look at it on a monthly basis and you see the trends. And that's the biggest thing to focus on. And of all the things that you did to kind of help you lose weight, what do you think have been the most effective? Uh, the most effective in my mind is honestly stop worrying about the program and start with the vision and the reasons um, and getting under the mindset shift of it. Cause it's, cause so many people get caught up in the how you get caught up in, all right, I need to do keto. I need to do intermittent fasting. I need to do carb cycling. I need to do macro counting. I need to do, I need some new program that's going to get me to there. And the issue is not the program. Like, I mean, there are thousands of people that have lost hundreds of pounds on keto. There's thousands of people who've lost hundreds, hundreds of pounds on macros and on all these different programs. The issue is not in the program. The issue is in the consistency and the mindset shift from, I'm not here to lose weight. I'm here to change my lifestyle. I'm here to have a, a, a true dynamic shift of how I perceive health and how I decide to eat because I'm going to eat to fuel my body, not to eat for taste and convenience. That mental shift of creating that will create more consistency and more of a drastic change in a short amount of time than any program will because the program you can always quit. But once you create that shift in your whole perception of health, everything changes. And then you don't have those desires. Like last night, I had my cheat meal. I, I call them celebration meals. I had, a, I had a whole Domino's pizza and it was delicious. Um, but it was, it, it's a gift I give myself. I don't need it. And so when you make that shift um, mentally, the, the program becomes simple to, to commit to. Right. Awesome. And do you think that people say, well, people say, well, you know, if I want to start losing weight, is it all, do you have to do activities and exercises that give you a high heart rate? I mean, is it, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're looking at weight loss, simplistically speaking, is it about um, the amount of calories you take in? Is is it also about like can you take a lot of calories in, but also do more intense exercises where your heart rate is beating higher? Does that cause you to burn more fat if you're doing like more intense cardio, or does even lifting weights, even if you weren't doing cardio, does weightlifting cause you to burn more calories because your muscles have to do so much more um, stress and exercising? For sure. So a couple things that come into play. I'm a firm believer in there's no one size fits all plan. I just, I don't believe it. I just, there's, there's too many factors coming into play for, for the, how the body works that just to say it's like, I've had these conversations with my dad, um, just to say that it's calories in calories out as the only thing, it's just not true. There's plenty of science that shows there's more dynamics than that. So for, like, for example, um, type two diabetes, if you're a type two diabetic and you're and you're given insulin to deal with your sugar levels, well, the catch 22 is when you take in more insulin, one of the byproducts or, or problems with insulin is fat retention and your body holds on to fat harder. So just because you're in a quote unquote calorie deficit and you're burning more calories every day, if your insulin levels are super high, your body naturally wants to retain that fat because of those insulin levels same thing with cortisol and stress and so it's there's more dynamics to that now for the average person that just needs to lose 10 20 30 pounds yeah if you just focus on that 
that calorie deficit, if you want to do it, um, I, I always break down weight loss in its entirety is 70% nutrition, 20% working out and 10% supplements where, um, I don't care. You, you can't, you can't outwork a bad diet. If you are eating 8,000 calories a day, good luck running that off on the treadmill. <laughs> like it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, uh, but you can lose weight purely on focusing on your nutrition and getting your calories and your, and your macronutrients under control and all your, your quote unquote working out consists of is daily activity, walking to the car and doing these things, um, that comes into play. And so it definitely has a little more dynamic than just calories in calories out, but then you got to get into the, the perspective of, all right, well, obviously the, the number on the scale is important, but really you you're looking for a look you you don't like if if you look better at 145 than you do at 135 who cares like you 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 look better it's it's like me right now um i got down to 235 right after my second excess skin removal surgery and then i focused on a year of just building muscle and just like i'm just going to build muscle i got all the way up from 235 to 280 um just eating he- eating heavy and building heavy and then I'm on a cut right now for a bodybuilding show in November and I'm down to 239 and I'm quote unquote five to 10 pounds heavier than I was at my light, my lightest weight. But I look 10 times better now than I did two years ago because I have so much more muscle mass and I've, and I look better. And so at the end of the day, nine times out of 10 for people, it's less about the physical number on the scale. It's a, a specific look. So then the gym does play a role. Because if muscle growth and making yourself look big shoulders and big calves and all this kind of stuff plays a role into what you want, you definitely have to take into account that you make that in the gym. That is done in the gym, not in um, not in nutrition um, per se. But they all have their dynamics. That's where that foundation is so important. All right, what is the goal? What's the vision you're looking for? Why is it important to you? And let's create a program based upon what you want and what your ideal outcome is and your different struggles. If you're type two diabetic, I would create a whole different program for you than someone who is just 10 to 20 pounds that wants to change how they look. There's just a whole different perspective that you need to do um, that just changes how you'd go about it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's talking about muscle. If you are exercising, you're lifting weights, how do you know the difference between you know, weight that is gained where it, it's positive and weight that is gained that is negative because sometimes, you know, at one point I was exercising and I was do, doing a lot of building muscle on my chest and my arms, yet my BMI was, was pretty high. So how do you know? I mean, is, is it, um, do you know that you're getting, you're building up healthy weight by your BMI? Is that a, is that a, uh, a glimpse into the window of where your healthy weight is? BMI is so I have this is another conversation I have with my dad. Um BMI I'm not a huge fan of just because I mean I have friends that are bodybuilders that are five foot ten and two hundred and sixty pounds and they have sub eight percent body fat. And like technically their BMI says they're overweight of obese by this because all BMI is is height and weight. And so that doesn't tell you the full picture. It doesn't tell you how much of that weight is by muscle, how much of that weight is by fat. Um, so if I'm going to calculate, that was actually a big mental shift for me because of my first, so when I was 410 pounds, the only frame of reference I could do was the number on the scale. 
Cause you couldn't, you can't really tell if you lose 10 pounds um, when you're 410 pounds, but you lose 10 pounds when you're, when you're 210, you go to 200, you see that difference. You don't see a difference when you're 410 going to 400. There's, you don't see it. So the, the best calculation to see change is the number on the scale. And so my whole focus of progress was the number on the scale, which was great for the first 125, 130 pounds. But when I really started getting the bodybuilding and, and shifting how like my whole look at my body, the number on the scale didn't change as much, even though my body fat would drop and my muscle mass went up. So then what I think is really effective for most people is looking at body fat percentage because body fat percentage can really give you where you're at because you want because the number on the scale isn't as relevant as getting that body fat percentage down and so and you can see that and calculate that a lot better especially for someone who's trying to build muscle and lose fat at the same time where you may like I, I had that problem where I was just sitting there going I was getting frustrated that the number on the scale wasn't changing but I could see myself changing but I was so focused on seeing that number get lower that it was frustrating. And until I made that change from, all right, the number in the scale isn't as important as body fat percentage. When I made that shift and I focused on body fat percentage, um, it kept me feeling like I was progressing and moving forward. And so for the average person, I think the most important frame of reference you should be looking for is body fat percentage um, because it's just more controllable. All right. And David, we talked earlier about this idea that sometimes if you are eating at a regular hour, your, your body sends what something to make you hungrier at certain times. So if yeah. we're just going to understand the body as a machine, what are some of the ways that we can master that machine? And one thing I want to bring to your attention, I don't know if this is something you've ever come across, but one of the reasons why I tend to eat late at night is because when I get tired, when I'm falling asleep, instead of going to sleep, my body gets hungry and it tells me to eat so I can stay up. And I don't, and it does this for a couple of times until I finally fall asleep. So I don't understand. It's as if like, it's, I almost feel like my body's got some kind of uh, virus or something. It's some kind of fault in the program where it says, no, you, you need to eat four or five times, then you can go to sleep. So I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So this is, this is actually one of the things um, that we've talked, that I've talked to you often, which is called circadian rhythms it's habits of the body. Like we all talk about habits of like what you do of like, all right, you wake up at a certain time, you, you um, create a habit of reading every day. You create this habit, you create that habit, your brain and your whole metabolism of your body and functions work on habits as well. And they cre they're created to, to help your life or at least do what you are doing because your body just trying to optimize what you're already doing or at least deal with it. Um, so, for example, some different um, examples of circadian rhythms is sleep. People tend to sleep at the same times every day. They wake up tentatively at the same time. Your body will release hormones to get you out of sleep and to put you in sleep at the same time every day because that's what it's used to. Um, same thing, one of the big ones that you're dealing with is food. So, for example, if you are so used to having a late night snack. 3 a.m. That's body, when my body's like, oh, dinner time. Yep. Not yeah, exactly. doing day though at so your all. Body, exactly. Your body is releasing insulin anticipating that 3 a.m. food intake before you even do it because your body's anticipating that you're going to do it because you've always done it. And so your body's just doing what you naturally, it's naturally already doing. 
And so as soon as that insulin release happens, anticipating you're going to eat, what does insulin do? It makes you feel hungry because your sugar levels are dropping. And so now you get hungry. And so the issue you're coming into is you created a habit that your body is compounding on because it's like, all right, well, I know I'm going to eat at 3 a.m. I might as well get ready for it. Um, it's the same thing I've done with intermittent fasting. So I do an inter- intermittent fasting right now where I only eat between noon and 8. Right, and I used to always eat breakfast. That. What was that? I don't know how you do that. That's it? <laughs> Eight-hour window? Oh, it, it's, it's interesting. And it's just what the body gets used to. And so there will be a two- to three-week time frame where, you, where your body's going to fight change. Like your, your, your limbic, small-mind brain hates change. Because change, it means like insecurity and unknowing and unknowing means death. And so that's where that mindset of like, all right, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it because pain is a part of the process. And so I had to go through those hunger pains when I got into intermittent fasting. Like it, it is a real thing. Like you get into hunger pains, you get into these situations where you are just hungry. But what you do is you create plans around it. I one of the things I did to deal with it is I chugged a bunch of water that makes you feel full, which helps with that problem. But then you, you, you push past that issue for two, three weeks. And then your body's like, all right, well, I'm changing this habit of eating at 3am. I might as well stop giving off insulin at that time. And then those, 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 uh, hunger pains start going away. They start subsiding because your body, because you're, you're telling your body, this is done. I'm not doing this anymore. So stop, stop releasing this. And it will change. It adapts. But it only changes the adapts when you force it to. It's like muscle. You're, you can't just think your way into bigger biceps. You have to physically force those biceps to the point of failure and past failure for your body to go, all right, he's, he's really trying to get this 35-pound dumbbell up. I need to put more protein. I need to create more muscle fibers if I want to be able to get this 35-pound dumbbell up. And then your body adapts. But your body only adapts when you force it to. That's the issue. And so that's where that pivotal mindset of this is the way I'm living and this is a healthy habit that I'm going to create makes a huge shift because you will have to deal with hunger pains at first. You will have to deal with these issues. But when you get past them, they'll go away. Like I I literally don't get hungry rarely after 10 o'clock anymore. And I'm never hungry in the morning because I've just created that habit for my body. Mr. Dave. Roden, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, you can learn more about Dave by going to his Instagram page. And Dave, what is your Instagram page account? Yeah, my Instagram is fit, F-I-T underscore D-R-O-C-K. D-R-O-C-K. And Dave went from 408 to 240 pounds. He's had an amazing transformation. Dave, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, sir. It was a pleasure. Okay, everyone, that concludes part one of our four-part series on weight loss. Coming up in part two, we're going to speak to a mental health professional. We're also going to learn a lot about nutrition. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening.